my name's David. I'm the pastor here. If I have not had the chance to meet you yet, I'm, man, I would love the opportunity to do that. We are talking about the church this month, all month long, we're talking about the church. When you hear that word in scripture, that is the word ekklesia, that's Greek. The Greek word ekklesia is translated as church. And every time you hear that word ekklesia, it sort of means the, a gathered assembly, a group of people that have been called out. <laughs> a gathered assembly, a group of people that have been called out. That's what that means. And so we are a gathered assembly, right? People who have been called out called by God. We are the church. If you were taking notes last week, A plus for you, uh, you can just turn back and see that we're talking about the local church. We had the definition that I gave you last week. We're going to put that on screen so that you can see it. If you weren't taking notes last week, take notes this week. Uh, local church, that's the gathering of those who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to preach the gospel, to celebrate the ordinances, baptism, communion, to obey the words of Christ and scripture. That's us. Now, we talked about this last week. Is a church a building? There we go. All right. Now, this church would love a building. Let's be honest. Would love a building. Quick building update. Uh, man, for those of you who are praying and giving towards a permanent location where we can seek and save the lost, our, our loan for that building is in underwriting right now at the bank, okay? So don't clap yet. We'll hear what they think, okay, soon enough. But I, I, although we don't need you to clap, I do need you to pray. If you have ever thought about fasting and praying, if this mission means something to you, this is a good week to do it, to fast, to pray. Thank you for those of you who have given, continue to give faithfully, sacrificially towards that. A building is not a church, but, but we would take a building. That'd be great. Uh, as we talked about last week, our mission here, this local church, Covenant Church, the vision that we have is to seek and save the lost. That comes out of Luke chapter 19, verse 10 where Jesus says, for the son of man came to seek and save that which is lost. We begin to carry out that vision by helping people to know God. We want you, our church, to know God, to know him personally, to know him deeply. But also, it's a part of our mission to take the personal responsibility on ourselves to help others to come to know God, right? And then as the second step in this mission, we're going to talk today about growing in community. Growing in community. That's the next step for us. And my goal at the end of this four weeks is really simple. It is for you to have enough information about this church, Covenant Church, to decide that this will be your church home. There's a lot of great churches that focus on a lot of great stuff all over this city. I want you to have enough info to decide whether you're going to jump in and you're going to pull in the same direction that we are. So we want you to grow in community. After we've come to know God, that's step one. The Bible is filled with many, man, many different commandments, many ideas, missions, things that you need to think about. You could go to Matthew 28 and you could talk about the Great Commission. Where, where Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Teach, baptize, go, make disciples. You could go to 1 John 5, where you see that we, we have evidence that we know God if we obey the commandments. 
For those of you who are parents, it's one thing for your kid to know the commandment. It's another thing to obey it, right? It's one thing to know what I'm supposed to do. It's evidence that we know God when we begin to obey. That's 1 John 5. I like how Hebrews 5 puts it the best. I'm, I'm very visual in this. I like because it talks about a believer needing to move from milk and grow to meat, right? You think about a newborn only eating milk and then uh, an adult being able to eat meat. That's the process described in scripture over and over and over. There should be growth happening. And we want you to grow in community. We say it all the time here at Covenant. Let's see if you guys are paying attention. Sunday is just, Sunday's just the start, right? Sunday is just the start. We want you to grow in in community. You're going to find friendships. You're going to grow as disciples, learn what it looks like to follow Jesus. You're going to begin to learn what it means to be a spiritual leader, to fall under spiritual leadership. But if we're going to talk about this, grow in community, it's really going to need to happen in two parts. So if you don't have your notes out yet, I want you to take them out now because we're getting ready to go here. The first one is to grow, to grow. Philippians chapter one, I want you to grow. The apostle Paul says it like this, Philippians one, starting in verse nine, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. I want you to say more and more. You might as well say more and more and more and more and more and more with knowledge, all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Now we're gonna break this down. Paul is saying, to this church, these new believers, these believers in Philippi, that his prayer is that the love of God would abound more and more and more in their hearts, that it would multiply more and more and more and more. When you accept Christ, more. The older you get, more. The older you get, more and more and more. God's love will continue to abound in your heart. It's a process of going from A to B. It's a process of continued growth. But love is not the only thing that you should be growing in, according to Paul. Love, which is very much a, an emotion and, and, and has that sentimentality to it. But Paul says that that love should abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. And when he talks about knowledge, the Greek word for knowledge there is, it speaks to a, a deep knowledge, a depth of knowledge. This is not a superficial knowing. This is not a yeah, 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 I know. This is, I know. You guys know what I'm saying? I know it deep in the core of who I am, deep in my guts. This is speaking to expertise, somebody that's been there, somebody that's lived it, somebody that's done it. That's the type of knowledge that Paul is talking about here. He wants the love of God to abound in knowledge that sinks deep into who you are to be what results and out of that knowledge is going to come wisdom or discernment, Paul says. Discernment so that you can live your life approving what is excellent. Be pure and blameless. Paul's talking about living a life filled with God's love, filled with discernment, a wise life. A life that honors God. The end, the last thing that Paul says is that it should be a life that brings God glory. It glorifies life. 
It glorifies God. Your life glorifies God. I can think about several people in my, my life. Almost always it's older, older Christian men and women. And I look at their life and I see this, this passage. I know, like, man, they know God. They don't know God. They know God. I see it in their life. I see it in the decisions that they make, the way that they raise their children, the priorities that they hold. I see wisdom and discernment. I see the the fruit of righteousness that results in the praise and the glory of God. We need to know God. One of the hard things when it comes to knowing God is it's hard to measure our growth, right? Spiritually speaking, if we're going to grow, it, and God wants us to grow in our knowledge of God and our depth, it's hard to measure that. I want you to honestly think to yourself, right where you sit, everybody, think, am I growing spiritually? It's hard to know that. I, I remember sitting on my dad's shoulders when I was a little kid and thinking, Man, it will be so crazy to see the world from up here someday. Anybody else do that? You're like, this is wild up here. I can't believe he sees things from up here. But never once in my life, from the time I was that age to now, did I think and wake up one day and go, man, it looks way different from up here. Growth is a slow process, isn't it? And that's what makes it hard to know whether we're growing. But if we're meant to grow, then we should know whether we're doing it. And so one of the ways that community helps us, and this is just brief, but one of the ways that community helps us is, man, it's encouraging to hear from somebody that we know and trust that says, man, I see you really growing. You know, I've been really impressed with you lately. That was really big. That was a big move. I'm seeing the way, mom, I'm seeing the way that you're leading your kids. That's big. I'm seeing God in you. Boy, I, I, I saw you handle that conflict at work. That was impressive. That took a lot of patience and love to do that. Community helps us to know whether we're growing. Another way is, is that we have a little bit of pain in our life. This one is, this one is I think, a question that we should all ask ourselves. If, if you want to know if you're growing, I want you to ask yourself the question right now, where you sit in your own head, when was the last time I experienced some spiritual pain? When did I do something spir- spiritually that was hard? When did I experience spiritual pain? That's a great question. Cohen, my, my nine-year-old, he's sort of notorious for this. <clears throat> in the middle of the night, we're all sleeping, and he'll yell out from his bedroom, Mom! Mom! It's never dad, which is great. <laughs> Mom! And it might be my turn, and I'll sort of like walk into his room. You know, I'm doing this. It's two in the morning. What? My knees hurt. My ankles hurt. What did, would you do something to him? What's going on? No, it's just growing pains, Dad. Just growing pains. Okay, buddy, <laughs> just, just rub his back and go, go back to sleep. 
growth is painful, church. Even for a little kid, it's painful. You know, the, the growth plates are open, they're stretching, there's, the ligaments are getting pulled. The, as only God can, he's knitting you together. He's, he's, he's causing a little nine-year-old boy to grow in that moment. For us, one of the ways we know that we're growing is we've experienced some spiritual pain. Growth is uncomfortable. If you're only ever comfortable, you're probably not growing. Growth is uncomfortable, and it's meant to be that way. I can make you guys uncomfortable. You want me to do that today? Because when I read scripture, it's often very uncomfortable for me. Growing spiritually should be. If you only ever read your Bible and walk away saying, golly gee, I sure am lucky. You're probably not growing. Now, there should be some of that, but it should be mixed in with a very healthy. Here, I'll give you an easy example, okay? Here's an easy example that I find in Scripture. Do you give money every single month as an act of worship, joyfully? Do you give money back to God as an act of worship, joyfully, every single month? That should make you a little uncomfortable, Let's take it a step further because we shouldn't just give joyfully as an act of worship. Scripture says we should give sacrificially. Sacrifice. When is the last time I had to sacrifice something that I really wanted in order to give to God? I can tell it makes, makes us a little uncomfortable. That's what Scripture does. Men, when is the last time you looked at a woman with lust in your heart? I'm not talking about, <laughs> I'm not talking about going to a strip club. I'm not talking about uh, having an affair. I'm not talking about um, opening up some websites you shouldn't be seeing because that's not what scripture deals with. It says that we shouldn't have lust in our heart. Ooh, should make us uncomfortable. Growth is uncomfortable. In scripture, although yes, it does make me uncomfortable, it also reminds me in the light of God's holiness, it shows me my sinfulness. Do you see what I'm saying? In the light of God's holiness, I can see myself for what I am. And it makes me thankful and worship Jesus Christ for doing what I know I never could and saving me from my sin. Growth is uncomfortable, but it's also, growth shows that we know God. I used to go through this phase where I wondered, like, am I saved? Am I, but am I really saved? You know what I mean? And you'd pray a prayer over and over, am I really, really, really saved? Well, if you look at your life and you're doing things uh, that, that cause you to grow, you're uncomfortable before God, you're sacrificing, you're, you're, you're repenting of sin, you're, you're reading scripture, you're doing hard things, you're forgiving those that have harmed you, you're doing these things, that's a good sign that you know God. Spiritual growth shows that we know God. Now, I got to hustle because that's only one piece. We want you to grow, but we want you to grow in community, we want you to grow in community. We're going to spend the rest of our time here talking about what biblical community can look like, should look like. In America, man, I'm telling you, we, we 
we have a, a culture that is very independent. We celebrate that strong, independent person, don't we? The John Wayne, the I don't need anybody. We celebrate that. Those are the, the idols. Those are the heroes pulling themselves up by the bootstraps. And I think there's some good in that, but also scripture just doesn't show that that's how we grow spiritually. It's very rare that you find anyone in scripture that's growing spiritually that's not also in a community. I, when I was in junior high, I was at my grandpa's house. My grandpa loved like big band jazz. He had a, like hundreds of those CDs, but he had one CD that wasn't big band jazz, so I listened to that one because I don't like big band jazz, especially not as a junior high kid. And he noticed that I was listening, so he bought me that CD for my birthday. And I'll never forget the lyrics of one of these songs here. And if you, if you knew the artist or if you know the artist, don't yell it out, okay? But just let me know afterwards. Here's the lyrics to this song written in 1965. It says, I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty that none can penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter. It's loving. I disdain. I'm a rock. I am an island. Don't talk of love. I've heard those words before. They're sleeping in my memory. I won't disturb the slumber of feelings that have died. If I never loved, I never would have cried. I'm a rock. I am an island. That song in 1965 by Paul Simon speaks, it speaks to us for a need to be independent and alone and strong to handle things on our own. But scripturally, that's not what we find. If you were to open up scripture and if God was to point out to you the instruction manual for human beings, right? On one of those lines, you turn the pages, it would say, meant for community. Works best with others. That feeling inside of you that longs for real relationships, that's not something that's broken in you. You don't need to be ashamed of that desire. You don't need to toughen up about it. Scripture says we should have real relationships. We should long for that because we're built that way. That's in the instruction manual. That's how God created us. And so if we're going to be a church that grows in community, we need to do community the right way. So <clears throat> I want to read this passage in Acts chapter 4. The church has just started to form. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. The full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Say one heart, one soul. Man, I love that idea, by the way. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. They had everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses, they sold them, they brought the proceeds of what was sold, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to each as any had need. We're going to talk about three different aspects of biblical community, true community. I want you to take notes. The first one 
is that true community requires authenticity. How do we get to a place where we as a church are of one heart and one soul? I want you to think about this because I believe that this is true. Every eye here, pay attention right now. Our society for some reason believes that it is better to look good and to be admired than to be honest and ask for help. We, we believe that it's better to look good and be admired than it is to be honest and ask for help. That sort of mentality is what crushes authentic community. And the craziest part is there is nothing about that mentality that has any basis in the gospel. The gospel says that I I stand before the foot of the cross on level ground, broken and in need of a savior. I recognize my need. I recognize I can't fulfill my need. I recognize there's only one that can, Jesus. I receive his grace, his forgiveness and his mercy. And then I offer that grace, forgiveness and mercy to others. There is no part of me that can say, look at me, admire me. I am good. I have it together. Me. And yet that's the mentality. Real biblical community requires authenticity. In a church that lacks that authenticity, two things are going to happen. The first one happens to us, us inside the church. The first thing that happens is if we, ra- if, if we lack real authenticity, what will happen is us in the church will hold community at arm's length. We won't let people get too close. And there's a reason for that. Because it's exhausting to pretend to have it all together. And I can hold it together for an hour and 10 minutes on Sunday morning. But that's about it. And I don't want to live my life as an actor on a stage. It's hard. So it's easier to hold you out here than to let you get close enough to see the cracks in the facade to let you see how much makeup I'm really wearing. That's an enemy here within the church. And the second thing that happens is for those who come from the outside in, and that's what we want, right? We want to be a church where people can come to know God. We want people that don't know Jesus here. But in a church that lacks authenticity, what happens is that those people come in and they say, man, I don't belong here. I'm messed up. My marriage is falling apart. I've got addiction issues. I just lost a job. I'm not a good parent. I'm struggling. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. And they look around at all the shiny fake smiles of people that won't be real. And they say, yep, I I don't fit in there. And the craziest part is that it's, it's the opposite of what the gospel is. We have to be a church where We are authentic, where we're all honest about how messed up we really are and how good Jesus really is. Amen? Amen. Man, I want that. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be real? Don't you want to be able to not hold someone out here, but bring someone in here and know that you're going to be loved and know that you're going to be respected and know that you're going to be prayed for and know that people are going to speak truth to your life, not just what you want to hear. Truth, truth in love. Man, I want that. That's why I love my small group. 
I'm honest with those people. If it's a bad day, it's a bad day. And you know what they do? They lift me up. They encourage me. They point me right back to Jesus. They remind me of the truth. They, they point out the lies that I'm believing. They can't do that if I won't be real. Number two, a church that wants to have real community is going to require sacrifice. That's verses 34 and 35. Here's what we read. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses, they sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, and they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, I've, I've done some studies on this. I've, I've read the commentaries. I've worked through uh, the original language a little bit. Uh, what this passage is really trying to tell us and say to us is that people loved each other so much they sold their houses and all their stuff in order to make sure that people could eat. That's it. Inside, inside the church, that word sacrifice is a beautiful word, man. Jesus sacrificed for us, right? We sacrifice for one another. I give sacrificially. I serve sacrificially. I love sacrificially. Outside the church, that can be a scary word. Inside the church, we're called to be living sacrifices. And it makes total sense that after these people saw the sacrifice that Jesus made for them, they were like, well, if I want to follow in his footsteps. I need to sacrifice as well. Listen, I want you to be so well known. That's authenticity, right? So well known, authenticity, and so well loved. That's sacrifice. So well known and so well loved that there is nothing that we won't do for each other. But that doesn't happen by accident. We have to let people know what we're going through. We have to be willing to sacrifice. But when I am so well known, if I'm authentic and I'm in a place where people are sacrificing for each other, when I'm so well known that I'm authentic and I'm a place where people are sacrificing for each other, that is the ideal conditions for spiritual growth to take place. That's where I grow. That's where I begin to grow in that spot. And then finally, this last piece is in verse 33. There's a common sense of mission that's taking place. A common sense of mission. It says, with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them all. Church, the early church had a mission. They were out there to seek and save the lost. They were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere, everywhere they went. They had a common sense of mission that unified them together. I love, I love the Chronicles of Narnia books, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Does anybody else like these books? Come on, don't leave me hanging. You don't have to just raise it like this. We can go up. All right. Yeah, all right. There's a, there's a line in The Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe I'll never forget. Mr. Beaver's talking to Susan. And she finds out that they're going to meet Aslan, the king. But she also finds out that he's not a man, he's a lion. And she says, oh, I, I thought that he was a man. I thought Aslan was a man. Is it, is it safe to go meet with him? And Mr. Beaver replies, who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king. 
I feel like our churches have traded in good and dangerous and powerful missional community for safe. And if there's no teeth and no claws and no roar, is it really a lion? And if there's no authenticity, if there's no sacrifices, there's no mission, is it really a church? When I was in eighth grade, I went to uh, Washington, D.C. on one of those eighth grade Washington, D.C. trips. And I had, uh, there's about 120 of us from Worcester, Ohio. And we did the whole thing. Washington Monument. We uh, got to go see where Lincoln was shot, which is really kind of morbid. Um, but we had heard from the last year's eighth graders, the current ninth graders, that in Washington, D.C., something magical was available. You could find a pair of Oakley sunglasses for 10 bucks. And so, I mean, the rumor had spread. There's about 120 of us. And we see one day a guy standing outside by the trunk of his car holding up some Oakleys. And I'm telling you, it was like the locusts of Egypt invaded onto this guy's car, just devoured everything that he had. We were like just two full charter buses of eighth graders walking around like the men in black for the rest of that trip, just Oakley sunglasses on. And we got home and after a few weeks, we realized like the nose piece kept falling out of my pair of Oakleys. And somebody who had a real pair of Oakleys, they were like, I'd compare them and his were so much lighter than mine. Mine were really heavy. And the paint was scratching off and like the lens, one of the lenses would just pop out weirdly. And we realized pretty quick that we had been given fake Oakleys, Folkleys, which is what we called them from then on. We had a pair of Folkleys. I don't want our church to exchange real biblical community for something that costs less and still looks good, but it's not the real deal. I want the real thing. I want this to be a place where we can be honest with each other. I want this to be a place where we're authentic about our struggles, where we embrace what scripture says about growing in community. And I can't force that on anybody. I can't. But what I can do is I can make a promise to you. I will be authentic. Good, bad, ugly, what you see is what you get. I'll lead the way with that. Sacrificial, you better believe it. Jesus, whatever you've got, I, whatever I have is yours. I'll sacrifice. I'll sacrifice for you. Whatever you need, you tell me. I'll do anything that I can to meet that need. I love you. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ. Sacrifice, of course I'll sacrifice for you. Sense of mission, man, I... I want to see people meet Jesus. I just don't want to do it alone. Join me. Share your faith. Grow to the place where you can do that. Don't walk in on Sunday and walk out without ever taking that next step. Be known. We are meant to grow in community. This Sunday... You got a small group magazine when you walked in. I know that's a small thing. 
But that's a big step. It's in our small groups that you're going to build real friendships. I promise you. Not every small group is perfect. None of them are. But you're going to find people that are trying to follow Jesus together in community. Send out a text to a small group leader. Text me. Come talk to me at the Connect Center. Write me an email. Write me a letter. Put it in the mail. Page me. I'll go buy a pager. Whatever it takes. I want to do whatever it takes for you to have community. I want that for you. We are a church that is passionate about people coming to know God. But once they've come to know God, it's time to grow. And we grow best when we grow in community. Authentic, sacrificial, shared mission, together community. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, we just come to you, the author, the perfecter of our faith, the one who allows us freedom from sin, a new hope, a new future. We're thankful for that. Thank you for knitting us together, men and women from different ages and backgrounds, Lord, different religious backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds, different age groups, all over. We are all united in you. Jesus, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. This morning, I, I know that in a group like this, there are those of you who are here just checking out this whole Christianity thing. Maybe you've been close for a long time. You've been uh, circling around, but you've never made that plunge. You've never committed your life to following after Jesus. You've never asked him directly, Jesus, save me. I want to follow you. Man, today is your day. It is not an accident that you're here today. And yes, you've had a lot that has brought you up to this moment. All those experiences, all those moments, good, bad, and in between. But now is the time of salvation for you. And it's simple. Just a prayer between you and God. He hears you. He knows you. Say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I know that and I can't save myself. Jesus, please save me. I give my life to you, everything that I have to you. Forgive me for my sins and save me. And if you prayed that prayer, you just joined, you joined the song of angels and saints all across the world, praising God for a new life. But that new step, that first step, that's a big step. But the rest of our lives is spent getting to know God, to grow in that. And so I want to know from you, if you prayed that prayer today, I want to invite you before you leave today, stop over at the Connect Center, fill out a card. When you get home or even while you sit at your seat, open up your phone, go to ftg.church first-time guest, ftd.church. Just let me know that you prayed a prayer of salvation. Man, do not go, do not go another week without that community. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. We worship you. You are good. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.